If someone was to ask you who was the most important person in your life, what would you say? Now, most of you would say a spouse or a parent or a grandparent, family member, friend, something like that. The most important important person in my life is my wife, Kelsey. And I think she just had a coughing fit so she could leave during this part because I was practicing yesterday in the car with her. And she goes, you really don't have to say all this stuff. And I said, oh, yes, I do. You see, for some of you, Kelsey might just be Chase's wife or the mother of four kids or a volunteer at church. But to me, Kelsey is very special. And, and, and I can't just say she's special because that doesn't do justice to why or how she's special. And so let me tell you why I think Kelsey's so special. I think Kelsey is really funny despite her quiet disposition. I think she has the best smile in the world. Um, I... I think that she's really, really smart and very, very humble. She's kind and she pursues God. I think she's a great mother and a wonderful wife. And there are very few people that I could even put on the same plane work ethic-wise as her. Now, maybe you just think I'm just trying to earn bonus points with my wife. I'm not. I have a point in saying these things. Why? Is that person that, that if I ask the question, who's the most special person in your life, why is that person special? How is that person special to you? Think about that for a moment. For much of this year, our church has taken up the Gospel of John, and we've spent a lot of time studying this book, and we've looked at the big idea, week in and week out, of why John is writing the book of John. And he's writing this gospel so that people may see who Jesus is. They may see that Jesus is special, that they might see who he is, his identity. And by seeing who Jesus is and what he did, they might believe and inherit eternal life. And so as we come to John chapter 7, verse 25, we're going to be looking at John 27, or John 7, 25 through 36 this morning, we're going to see another claim of John for the uniqueness of Jesus. And as I was reading the text this week, I couldn't help but notice that much of our text today deals, yes, with the uniqueness of Jesus, but specifically the crowds in Jerusalem and the Jewish leaders are questioning, why is Jesus special? Why is he unique? Here we are, 2,000 years later, talking about Jesus talking about John chapter 7, verses 25 through 36, looking at the same question that these people are questioning. Is Jesus special? And I would say, because we are talking about him 2,000 years later, he is special, right? He was special then, and he's special now. But we have to ask ourselves the big question this morning. How is Jesus special? How is Jesus special? Let's read our text, starting in John 7, verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem, therefore, said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from? But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. 
So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me, and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. That's the reading of God's word. The text today reveals two levels of why Jesus is special. So we're asking the question, how is Jesus special? But I think this text reveals two levels of why Jesus is special. The first level or the first sense in which Jesus is special is an earthly sense. Jesus is special in an earthly sense. So there's many reasons that Jesus is special, okay? Um, This text will lay out a few of them. So we'll cover the few that are in this text this morning. And the first way that we see that Jesus is special in an earthly sense is Jesus' teaching is incredible, okay? Look at verse 25 and 26. Some of the people of Jerusalem, therefore, said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? And then uh, in another week, we're going to cover John 7, 46, but they send officers to arrest Jesus. We already know that. They end up not arresting Jesus, and this is why. The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. Jesus' teaching from an earthly standpoint is incredible. No one had ever heard anyone speak like Jesus. What was he speaking? Well, he was speaking authoritatively. He, He was speaking full of grace and truth. He would say something like this, as, as he said in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. In John chapter 5 and John chapter 6, we, we heard Jesus' speaking, and Jesus said, he and the Father are one, that he was sent from the Father. In John chapter 6, Jesus says that he's the bread of life. He offered himself to the people. No one ever spoke like this man. In fact, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is called one of the best speeches in human history. And if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, thousands of people gather around him, and Jesus simply speaks and is astounding. And if you haven't taken the time to do it, just just go back to Matthew 5 and start reading through the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of ideas that we have in our Western culture, but we have those ideas specifically because Jesus spoke those words in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7. Jesus' words are incredible. And so from that standpoint, Jesus is special in an earthly sense. But Jesus is also special because people can't stop talking about him. You see in verse 25 and 26 that everyone is talking about Jesus. If they had a Jerusalem daily back then, he would have been on the front page and the gossip page and, and almost every page. They want to figure out who is this Jesus. They can't stop talking about him, right? So much so that they go, um, okay, his speaking's incredible, and the, and the Jewish leaders, they're not arresting him. Is he really the Christ? And so everyone and their brother, if they had Twitter back then, they're tweeting about him. If they're on Facebook, they're, they're creating 
post about who's Jesus? He's the talk of everybody, right? Okay, also in an earthly sense, we see in verse 31 an observation that many people believed in him. And why? Well, because from an earthly standpoint, Jesus did things that no one else could do. Jesus performed more miracles than anyone else had ever performed. And people believe because they go, okay, when the Christ comes, he's not going to do more than Jesus. And if we look at the miracles of Jesus, he healed people who were sick. He broke bread, five loaves and two fish, and fed thousands and thousands of people. He will later on heal a man born blind. Modern science still can't do that today, right? Or some of the miracles of Jesus, people are just catching up. Modern science is just catching up to what Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago. Jesus and his miracles were incredible. And so uh, we think of different musicians, uh, not musicians, different magicians today. Uh, David Copperfield, right? And if you see any of David Copperfield's uh, magic tricks, you go, wow, how does he do that? Well, Jesus is more incredible than any of those things. And then from an earthly standpoint, Jesus not only has incredible teaching and not only is everybody talking about him and not only is he doing these miracles, but he really frustrates and is rejected by the leaders. We see in chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. And in verse 19 of chapter 7, uh, Jesus says, why do you seek to kill me? And verse 25, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this man whom they seek to kill? In verse 30, uh, so they were seeking to arrest him. And in verse 32, Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. And in 44, this is all just in chapter 7, by the way, some of them wanted to arrest him. Jesus is rejected by the officials. Now, you might go, well, how does that make him special? Well, let's consider uh, you and I. Most of us are not known to the mayor of Fort Wayne, right? If Tom Henry walked in, barely any of us would go, I know who that is, and, and he probably wouldn't say, yes, I know who you are, let alone town council members and different things like that. Or the governor of Indiana, if Eric Holcomb walked in, he, most of us don't have a relationship with him. He doesn't even know who we are let alone the president of the United States, okay? But if you were notorious, if you were infamous, they would know you if you were on the FBI's most wanted list. Take, for instance, a little Indiana boy from Mooresville, Indiana, John Dillinger, right? He was infamous. People knew who John Dillinger was because he was a really, really bad guy. He broke out of prison several times. He robbed different places, right? And so... Even by the, the Jewish leaders rejecting Jesus, it shows that there's something special about him to reject. Most of us have never said something so, so wild that people would have to make a decision whether or not they like us. But here, Jesus has been preaching and speaking and performing miracles, and the Jewish leaders are decidedly against Jesus. He's special. But if Jesus is special on an earthly level, uh, it only means he's special because of his place in history. But then again, Jesus is a peasant from Galilee. Okay? He lived 2,000 years ago. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about Jesus. Why is that? Because, I mean, if it's just because Jesus had incredible speeches, um, we talk about lots of people who have incredible speeches. In fact, when I was in high school, 
uh, I was on a work trip with my dad in Chicago, and I went into a, a, a giant Barnes and Nobles, and I got a speech book. It was like three bucks, and it had the best speeches of human history, and in that book was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But also in the book was Winston Churchill's speeches, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches, Abraham Lincoln's speeches. We talk about other people, right? Um, Jesus did a lot of good works. Jesus did a lot of amazing things. Well, so did Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great took over the known world. That's pretty impressive. Or Julius Caesar did the same thing later. Or some people didn't take over the whole world. They just were famous, like Cleopatra. And we still talk about them. So why is Jesus different? Well, within our own text, we see Jesus is not just special in an earthly standpoint. He is special for other reasons. You see, um, this week as I was preparing this sermon, um, I did a, a brief Google search, okay? And I searched for most famous people in the world, right, or world history. And as I, I brought up that Google search, it was clear Jesus is on like everybody's list. If they're, if they're covering all of human history, Jesus is either number one or two or three, but Jesus is at the top of the list for, on almost every list. But in the algorithms of Google, they had a bunch of pictures up top. And in their algorithms, they collected data from all these lists of people, and they had about 100 faces. And most of these people were on the list, whether it was Muhammad or Buddha or Alexander the Great or Napoleon, something like that. And you know what picture was missing from all of those? Jesus. You see, even 2,000 years later, Jesus is still being rejected by society. And it's not because he just had good teaching or did good things. There's something else at play here. Jesus is not just special from an earthly perspective, but he's also special from a heavenly perspective. Jesus is special in the heavenly sense. And we see this. Look at verse 27. The people are questioning who Jesus is, and they think he might be the Christ, but, they say in verse 27, we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. Now, to be honest, we don't really know where this idea came from in, in the book of John. We, we do know that it was prevalent in the first century. Uh, we're going to talk about it in, in later weeks, but there were numerous prophecies about the Messiah coming, being born in Bethlehem and, and growing up in Nazareth. Like, they should have known that Jesus would be on the scene. But it would be really, really weird if all of a sudden someone that you grew up with, right, just some kid in your class and first, second, third, fourth grade, right, all of a sudden he started saying, I'm the Messiah. They thought when the Messiah came, he would just appear out of nowhere. But they've known Jesus his whole life. And so Jesus answers them in verse 28. And commentators say you, you can read this in a couple of different ways. In the ESV, uh, there's a question. You know me, and you know where I come from? Uh, maybe some of your translations, it's more of a period. You know me, and you know where I come from. Uh, the, the sense is the same, either way you split it. Jesus is saying, yeah. From an earthly perspective, you know who I am. You know my mom is Mary. You know my brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. You, you might know my sisters. But do you really know who I am? Do you really know where I've come from? You see, there, there's, 
Yes, Jesus is special. He's the talk of the town. He's teaching. He's doing miracles. And from an earthly sense, that makes him special. He would have his place in history because of those things. But there's, there's an even more important reason that Jesus is special. And it's in a heavenly sense. And when I, when I say Jesus is special in a heavenly sense, what I'm talking about is God has a sovereign purpose for Jesus. What sovereign means is that God controls, that he reigns, that he uses his all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, holy initiative over his creation and in his creation. And even though the word sovereign is not listed in verses 25 through 36, we see that it saturates the text. I'll show you why. I say that because Jesus teaches the people that he didn't come there on his own account. You know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. Uh, Jesus is saying, I'm not here because I just decided one day, I'm going to pretend like I'm the Messiah, and I'm going to teach people, and I'm going to walk around and not have a house, and I'm going to do some cool things and try to build a crowd. Jesus isn't there on his own accord. Jesus has sovereignly been placed there for a specific purpose, a heavenly one, a sovereign purpose. And and then he uses this word sent, right? He who sent me is true. I know him for I come from him and he sent me. And later on he says, "Uh, I will be with you a little longer and then I'm going to him who sent me. That little word sent is very, very important. You see, uh, 41 times in 21 chapters in the book of John, Jesus is referred to as sent with the specific word sent. There's a few others where Jesus says, I have come, meaning he was sent, okay? And this is important for us to realize. It's right there in the text, but we might miss it if we don't zoom out a little bit. What does Jesus mean by the fact that he was sent? Well, this is integral to the gospel of John. And if we don't understand the fact that Jesus was sent, when we miss the picture of what God's doing in John. So we're, we're going to go over a few of, not all 41 texts, but we're going to go over a few of the texts. And I've labeled them for you. Why does Jesus say that he's sent? What's so special in a heavenly sense about Jesus being sent? Well, the first reason that Jesus is special Uh, because he was sent, is that he's referring to himself as the Messiah, okay? So he says in Isaiah 61, 1, and he reads this in Luke chapter 4 at his home synagogue. He gets up, he reads the scroll, and he says from Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He reads that scroll, he rolls it up, and he goes and sits down, and his earthly ministry is kicked off. But he says, I'm the sent one. Okay, So when he says he's sent, he's saying, hey, hey, you, you Jewish people, you should know your Old Testament. You should know that somebody was sent by God. He doesn't come from out of the blue. He's sent. I'm that person. Okay? Now, what does he mean by that? Well, he means by that that Jesus is sent to do the work of the Father. Let's look at a few passages in John. Okay? So Jesus is sent to do the work of the Father. In John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, 
My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In John 5, 36, it says, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8, 29, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So we see from those passages, and there's others, but from those specific passages, we see Jesus is sent to do the work of the Father. Now we also see that Jesus is not only sent to do the work of the Father, but Jesus is sent to speak the words of the Father. That's part of the work that he's called to do. So in John 3.34, this is John the Baptist speaking about Jesus. And by the way, there's a few passages before this how John the Baptist is sent from the Father to go before the sent one. And John the Baptist says in John 3.34, For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. And then going on in John 7.16, Jesus answers the crowds, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. In John 12.49, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. In John 14, 24, he says, Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So this is incredibly important. Not only has Jesus come to do the will of the Father, God, but he is here to speak the words of the Father, God, okay? Jesus is going to make a connection here. We're going to continue on. Jesus is sent so that people also may believe in the Father and himself. There's a few more verses here. John 5, 24 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. In John 6, 29, Jesus answers them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. John eleven forty two 42 says, I knew that you always hear me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And then John 17, when Jesus is praying, John 17, 3, he says this to the Father. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And John 17, 8, he says, For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. And then in our text today, we also see not only is Jesus come to do the will and preach the words and tell people that there's a life in Jesus and life in the Father by believing in him, but that one day when Jesus accomplishes the work, he's going to go back to whom he was, or go back to who he was sent from. So in John 7, 33, Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. And in John 16, 5, he says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Jesus' statements in John when he says, I am sent, inextricably tie him to the Father. He is saying, I and the Father are one. 
that you have life in me just like you have life in God the Father. He's saying that the Father loves you because he sent me. Hear the words and believe the words. That is the way to eternal life. He's not only saying that, he's, he's saying, look back at the Old Testament. The Father has promised to send someone, whether it's Genesis 3.15, or whether it's in Genesis 12, when, when God promises Abraham to bring a seed that will bless the nations, or the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel 7. God has promised time and time and time and time and time again to send someone to redeem the world, to glorify God, and Jesus is saying, that's me. So don't miss it. When we read in John, Jesus is sent. That's important. And when Jesus says that he's sent, he says something incredibly offensive to the Jewish people. Right? You know me, and you know where I come from, but I've not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Jesus just tells a gathered group of religious Jewish people at one of their main feasts, people who have had the Old Testament, people who are there to worship God, people who say, I know who God is. He just told them, you don't know who he is. You don't know my father. <laughs> and the crowds are offended. And if ever there was a group of people who knew who God the Father was, it should have been the Jewish people. They had the Old Testament. They had the prophets. <laughs> they had teachers. These Pharisees who were trying to arrest Jesus, they know the Old Testament. You would think that they know God the Father. And Jesus says, you don't know him. That's infuriating. And they want to arrest Jesus. But here we see another reason. Not just Jesus is sovereignly sent from God, right? We, we see he's special from a heavenly sense because he's sent from God. But also, God has accorded a time to him, an hour, a specific time. No one arrested him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. This is another theme throughout John. If you remember back in John chapter 2, Jesus' mother asked him to perform a miracle, right? She says, uh, son, they're out of wine. Can you take care of that? And Jesus says, woman, my hour has not yet come. Then here again, it's repeated in John chapter 7. His hour had not come. It's going to be repeated again in John chapter 7. And then it's going to be repeated again in John 8, 20. What are they talking about? Well, this hour of Jesus and the reason that he sent comes together because God has made him special from a heavenly sense. In John 12, 23 through 29, and if you have time, just flip over a few pages. Look at John 12, 23 through 29. The word sent is not there. It's been in the text. But he says, I came as he was sent. Okay? And here we see the reason that Jesus is so special. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will, come, will, will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. And herein is God's plan. Herein is God's mission. God sent his son for a specific hour. An hour that was not yet. An hour that was coming in the time sequence of John six months later. Where Jesus would go up to Jerusalem and people would be applauding him and laying down their coats and, and, and singing Hosanna. And that week... Jesus prays this prayer to his father in John chapter 12 that his hour had come. And why has his hour come? To be glorified. And how is Jesus glorified? On the cross, through his death. Because Jesus was sent to die for the sins of the world. That's why no one could arrest him. That's why no one could lay a hand on Jesus. And that's why when Jesus is done with his hour, The sent one returns to the one who sent him. Jesus is the sent one. Now, okay, we've looked at this text. Uh, People are questioning what's the uniqueness about Jesus? Why is Jesus so special? And we see that he's special from an earthly stance. His teaching is incredible. He's performing miracles. Uh, People are talking about him. He's notorious as well. We see that he's special from a heavenly perspective, that God has sovereignly sent him, that God has an hour for his son to die what's the big whoop? Why is that important for us? Why is it important for us to know how Jesus is special? Well, let's read 32 through 36, and we'll answer that question. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? There's an ironic statement here that I just want to point out. Um, This book of John the Gospel of John, is written about 90 A.D. And these leaders ask, is Jesus going to go to the Greeks? Is he going to go to the dispersion of the Jewish people all over the world? Is he going to go teach those people? Is he going to teach the Gentiles? And you know what? By 90 A.D., Jesus' teaching is with the Gentiles. Jesus had gone. But why? Why? Herein is why we answer, how is Jesus special? You see, he's the sent one from God. And as the sent one from God, his purpose was not only to come and do the work himself, but was to call a people to himself to continue on the mission of God. So in John 17, 8, Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, he's praying to his father, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. 
And then in John 20, 21, Jesus reminds his disciples as he rose from the dead that same day, that same Sunday, he goes and visits them in the upper room. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Friends, this is key. This is important because this means that Christ's work in his disciples' lives isn't over. His work's not over. And his work in the world isn't over. But how does he continue his work? How does he continue the work of God through you if you are in Christ? Jesus is special. And he continues to work. But we have to ask. Is Jesus special to you? Flip the big question here. Is Jesus special to you? Because Jesus is special. He's the sent one from God. But is he special to you? Well, why do I ask that? Because Jesus in the text says, I know him who sent me, but some of you don't know. These were people who were religious People who knew the Bible, they didn't know God. So I must ask this. Let's examine our lives. If you know Jesus, and Jesus has been the sent one from God, and then he says, I am sending you, have you gone? Have you gone to your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members? Or have you shared the gospel of Jesus, the mission of God, that God loves people? Have you, have you gone? Have you been sent? Now, some of us have to look at our lives. We step back and we, and we think, is Jesus special to me? Yes, Jesus is special to me. But have I gone out? Have I shared the gospel? And many of you have to say, no. Do you know God? Because you're not sent until you know him. Do you know this Jesus who came to earth to die for you and rose again on the third day and is at the right hand of the Father. Do you know that Jesus? That Jesus who comes and gives us a mission. And if you know him, do you live like Jesus is special? Could someone examine your life? Coworker, friend, neighbor, and they just looked at you. Could they examine and say, that person knows Jesus. That person has Jesus as someone so special in their life. Or would they look at you and just go, that person's a good person. Do they know why you're a good person? This week we have Thanksgiving. Many, if not most of you, will be with family and friends. And many of you will be with people who don't know Jesus. You're sent. If you're in Christ... You were sent to testify to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he is the sent one from God, that he went to his hour on the cross, that he died and he rose again. You're sent. Now, friends, look, I, I get that talking to people about Jesus is scary. But look at this text. Was it not clear that Jesus is notorious? People are trying to kill Jesus. People are trying to arrest Jesus. And he goes to Jerusalem anyway to do the work of God. Why? Because in, Jesus knew that he's sent from God. He has a mission to do. He's got to carry it out. And that God was in control. His hour had not come yet, so there was nothing they could do to him. Do you have enough courage to speak about Christ with the lost around you?
because you've been sent. Now, some of you are, are new. Maybe this is your first time in our church. If, if you're going to be around for a while, I want you to know this. That is a drum that I beat a lot. Because we are called to live on mission for Jesus, with Jesus, through Jesus. And we are called to not just come here on Sundays, hear a nice little ditty about Jesus, think, oh, good, he's so good, and go in our homes and never talk about Jesus. We are called specifically to go into the world to bear witness to the works and the words and the place of Jesus Christ, saying he is special. But we have to answer the question, is he special to me? Some of us are afraid to share this good news of Jesus. I think the old British pastor, J.C. Ryle, brings us hope when he says, the servants of Christ in every age should treasure up the doctrine before us that Jesus was sent, that God is sovereignly working out his purposes and nothing can happen apart from his plan. And remember it in time of need. It is full of sweet, pleasant, and unspeakable comfort to godly persons. Let such never forget that they live in a world where God overrules all times and events and where nothing can happen but by God's permission. The very hairs of their heads are all numbered. Sorrow and sickness and poverty and persecution can never touch them unless God sees fit. They may boldly say to every cross, Thou couldst have no power against me except it were given thee from above then let them work on confidently. They are immortal until their work is done. Let them suffer patiently if needs be that they suffer. Their times are in God's hand. That hand guides and governs here below and makes no mistakes. Friends, you have been sent because Jesus is sent and like Jesus' mission was accomplished because God was over it, your mission is overseen by God. Do we fear a little rejection? Do we fear being the weird person at work or the weird person in our family member who, who people look at you and they go, well, that guy's going to talk about Jesus. That's what we're here for. We're here to talk about Jesus. We're here to proclaim Christ. We're here to tell people that Jesus is the good news, that Jesus is special. We live in a world that hates Jesus. We live in a world that despises Jesus. So do we believe that God is sovereign enough over everything in our life that he will be with us when we share the gospel? Do we think Jesus special enough to share about him? Because when I talk about Kelsey, what if I said, opened it up and said, who's the most special person in your life? And I just said, um, my wife's special. And you guys say, well, why is she special? And I go, eh, I don't really want to talk about it. Does that mean I love Kelsey? If I love Kelsey, I'm going to talk about her. The person that was in your head, the person that you thought was the most special person in your life, you, you talk about them, right? You love them, right? Is Jesus special to you? Let me tell you about a man who believed in the sovereignty of God and the mission of God that he was sent because Jesus was sent. His name is Robert Germain Thomas. 
Some of you have heard of him. Most of you have not. He was a Welsh preacher that lived during the mid-1800s. He had a knack for languages and desired to be a missionary in China. And so he went with his wife over to China. And in the first year while they were in China, his wife died. He felt like an abject failure. And despair and sorrow overtook his life. And for a time, he stopped being a missionary and he went and worked in the British Customs Office. Then God sovereignly one day allowed a few Korean workers, fishermen, to come across Robert Germain Thomas's path. Robert Germain Thomas began talking to them, sharing the gospel. They were curious and wanted to know more, but the problem was they lived in Korea, and at the time, Korea was known as the Hermit Kingdom. They wanted all foreigners to stay away. There had been a few Christian missionaries in the Hermit Kingdom, but not many, and all of them had lost their lives because they were not Korean, and they were telling people about Jesus. Robert Germain Thomas went with these fishermen incognito for three months, passing out Bible tracts and Chinese Bibles that the Koreans could read. And he learned Korean while he was there. He got back from his trip after three months, and he wanted to return right away with, with more Bibles and, and write Korean tracts. But his friends told him no. It was too dangerous. And he said, I, I, I'm okay with losing my life for Christ. And they said, no, you don't understand the Korean church is too young and, and too few. If you come back, we all could die. So Robert Germain Thomas stayed in China for a time, but his heart kept beating. Jesus is special. Jesus has been sent. I have been sent. I'm here for a purpose to tell others about Jesus. So he got on a ship, a French ship, that they said was headed towards Korea. Instead, they were going towards Vietnam. So he jumped ship. He got back, joined an American ship, the General Sherman. It was 1866. The General Sherman was trying to establish a trade route with Pyongyang, the capital. And because Robert Germain Thomas had such a knack for languages, they wanted him to be an ambassador with them, to be able to speak their language. As they rolled up the main river in Korea, Robert Germain Thomas was said to have thrown out Bibles and tracts to fishermen and people along the shore. Then one day, as the story goes, as the Koreans tell it, the Hermit Kingdom attacked the General Sherman. For several days, uh, there was miscommunication, there was people that were taken captive, and, and some were released, and, and not, and, and it was just a disaster. And the Koreans loaded gunpowder on a boat and sent it out to the General Sherman, and the General Sherman caught fire. And as the, the ship crew jumped overboard, some were drowned, some were killed, there was one man that was there, not for diplomatic reasons. He wasn't even an American. He was there to tell people about Jesus. And as he jumped over, 
He had, he had one piece of Christian paper left in his hand, and he went to the shore, and there was a civilian there that was ordered to attack any person that came off the ship. And right before he dies, Robert Jermaine Thomas, he, he says, Jesus, Jesus, take and read, take and read. And he died. We sing a song at our church called Let the Nations Be Glad. And there's a line in Let the Nations Be Glad that says, many saints and martyrs conquered, though they died. Friends, Robert Tremaine Thomas didn't live long on earth. You see his, his birth year and his death year. But he made his life count. And I will say he is not a failure because he knew Jesus was special. And Jesus was special to him. For many years, the hermit kingdom still reigned and then their government was overthrown. And missionaries were able to enter their country. And as the missionaries entered their country, they found Christians, much to their surprise. And they go, how are you Christians? Did a missionary come? No. Do you have a pastor? No. It was the pamphlets that Robert Germain Thomas had passed out where the word of God was unleashed and people believed in Christ. Friends, is Jesus special to you? Is Jesus special to you?